Lamson. Sir? Can you bring me another dose of that hypnotic drug? I suppose so, sir. One is usually enough. We'll definitely need more. Bring me three doses. Three? I'll take responsibility, Lamson. The web of destiny carries your blood and soul back to the genesis of my life form. Welcome to the Review to Death podcast. I'm Marcus. And I'm Luke. Tonight, we are still with our sci-fi month, and we are watching a 1985 movie called Life Force. And this one's going to be confusing because we don't have any idea what we just watched. Yeah, yeah this is a weird one, you guys. Man, it's going to be tough to summarize. Let's start with the basics. So basically, this is a, a 1985 movie directed by Toby Hooper. If you don't know Toby Hooper, he's kind of a, kind of a horror legend. You know, he directed stuff like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then he directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. He also directed uh, Poltergeist, the original one. And then uh, kind of late in his career, he did a movie called The Toolbox Murders, which kind of made a splash too. Definitely real talent behind the camera. I had seen this one before, Luke, like you had, and I remembered it being really boring. I don't, and I didn't... um... I guess I didn't pay as much attention to it as I did the uh, the first time I watched it as I did tonight. I mean, Verdict is, is still pretty boring. So here's the deal with this movie. So it's, uh, I mean, how long is this one? This is a pretty long movie. This is almost two like hours. T- almost two hours, yeah. So you can pretty easily split this up into Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Act 1 and Act 3 are great, are fucking great, especially Act 3. Uh, are it's it's amazing it's, especially if you like uh you know like zombie apocalypse end of the world type stuff and the special effects are amazing especially for 1985 the problem is is act two act two is a drag it's a major major drag and it's a drag to the point that it drags the whole movie down along with it that's because it's the longest part of the movie. Like the first part, which you're calling act one is like 20 minutes. And then the last part, which you call an act three is like 30 minutes. And the rest of this hour is, oh man, it's, it's uh, mind numbing. It's a bunch of British dudes talking about stuff that they should be doing, but they aren't really doing. It feels like a totally different movie. It does. And not a better one. You know, it, it's it's literally it's you know it's a bunch of British actors with, who are good. They're they are. They're everyone here does a good job. But man, they just go on and on and on about stuff that we should just be seeing, not hearing about. It's uh, it, it's it goes on for way too long. We'll give a little bit of a rundown of what this movie actually is. So, Life Force was made 1985, as we had said before, and it's based off a book called The Space Vampires by Colin Wilson, which was written in 1976. Uh, Wilson is a British sci fi writer, and this was something like his 50 something book. So, pretty prolific. The book itself got mediocre to above average reviews. It's not like people's favorites, but it's not like awful either. The movie is is relatively close to the book, except for the fact that the space vampires in the book look more, I guess they they describe them as like bat-like things, and then they switch into like this squid type thing, and then they just like, they're just pure energy. So that's definitely not what's in the movie. People have compared the space vampires book to a lot of stuff with uh, 
H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu. Some people even consider it to be so far into that world that it's like considered part of the official mythos. Which, you know, watching the movie, I, I, I totally got that. It, it, it totally seems like it would be, you know, straight out of those mythos. Which would be, which is fine. I, I, I love H.P. Lovecraft shit. That part of it was great. But the, you know, the story of this movie is, is basically there's a, a crew of this spaceship called the Churchill, and they find this 155 mile long spaceship drifting out in space, and they, and they go to uh, investigate it. When they go, they land, you know, they dock with it, and they end up uh, finding three beings in there. And they're all completely naked. <laughs> Super naked. Super I mean, naked. This is, two, this, this two, is... two guys, one girl. And this is differs from the book. In the book, they're not really humanoid, but in the movie, they are. This is where this movie sort of gets its reputation. You know, the head space girl, they just call her space girl. She doesn't get a name. She's played by an 18-year-old actress at the time from Germany named Matilda May. She's pretty much always naked in this movie because... The way that these vampires, these space vampires work is that they seduce you and they lure you into being with them so that they can take all of your energy. So this movie really relies heavily on like the seduction and the erotica part of it. So this movie, this movie has this reputation of like, oh, it's just that naked lady walking around for an hour. But it's it's really not that she's actually only in the movie for around seven to ten minutes. It's not much. Yeah, she's not wearing clothes in any of it, but it's really not. She's not in a whole lot. No, that's right. And, and she's, uh, so, you know, basically, you know, exactly like Marcus said, this movie, when you think of life force, you think of uh, a naked alien lady walking around for the entire movie. It turns out that, you know, that that you know first third we talked about that's pretty short that that's where most of that happens you know she seduces quote unquote because she's pretty much unconscious for the you know majority of it you know these uh you know people that are in charge of guarding her and she gets loose she sucks their energy out through kissing them turns them into basically like zombies really cool fucking looking zombies by the way you guys oh yeah no we gotta stop here for a second because one of the things i definitely did not remember from watching this movie is how amazing like the models and the animatronics look oh my god it they so okay we our our first movie of our sci-fi month that we covered was was the thing and we went on and on and on about how fucking cool the special effects were for, you know, the thing animatronic stuff. Well, you can apply exactly that hyperbole to, to the zombie effects of this movie. They look amazing. It's not people in suits or costumes. It's, it's animatronics, you know, being controlled by a puppeteer. And it just, it just looks so good. This is, if I were to recommend this movie for one reason, it's, it's this alone right here. And fully articulated, their eyes open up and close and the and the mouths move. The bodies have many joints and they move around in very different ways. It's yeah, it's something else. And um, they're all, you know, since it's a vampire thing, when somebody's energy is taken, they become desiccated. You know, they come dried out. And if they don't continue to feed on energy, then they just explode. And we get a couple of like, you know, powder explosions. And, it, and that's also really cool looking. Yeah, it looks amazing. It, it really looks amazing. It really, you know, we can't say enough about it. Best thing we can say is check out the movie, if just for that reason, or otherwise, you know, check out some trailers for it. 
but man, it is great. It, it looks really, really fantastic. And um, yeah, it basically what ends up happening is, you know, these three original three aliens, Matilda May, aka Space Girl, and her two male cohorts spread this disease. And that's basically what the whole movie ends up being about. She escapes from the science research center where they have her. In fact, they make even they, one of the characters says a line that makes a bit of a joke. It's like, oh, you know, the naked girl's not going to just walk out of here. But that's exactly what she does. And they just sort of let her go. Just you know, weird. Cue this second act of the movie, which goes on for way too long. And it's really just Carlson, one of the astronauts from the Churchill, who's crash landed back into Earth because it turns out he's not. He has not been killed in the fire that was aboard that ship. And an SAS officer by the name of Crane, right? Colonel Colin Kane. Kane, not Crane. Kane, and played by Peter Firth. And it's just them trying to find her, but she's in different people's bodies. And I mean, I get the idea behind it, but they don't really say that's what's happening. Yeah, it basically becomes the the Colonel Tom... Carlson and Colonel Colin Kane show for pretty much the majority of the second part of this movie is these guys uh, going on kind of an investigation to see uh, if they can figure out where Space Girl is, what she's doing, what's happening, which, you know, kind of goes back into the, uh, you know, the, the Cthulhu stuff, which is basically you know, they're, they're investigating this, you know, otherworldly threat. Uh, which becomes an existential threat really to London because man, by the time we get to the third act, it is absolutely, you know, existential and it is crazy as hell. Yeah. Really? The only, the only thing worth mentioning in that second act is Patrick Stewart shows up a younger Patrick Stewart with a little bit of hair. He's got a skull um, it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> turns out he's possessed by space girl, but it's, it's like a fever dream. There's like weird scenes that don't go with each other and it goes on for way too long. And the only notable thing to say about this middle part, which is unfortunate because again, it's like an hour hours worth of movie is uh, the helicopter scene. Patrick Stewart. He plays a guy called Dr. Armstrong. So they, there's a scuffle. They turn out that he's, it turns out that he's being controlled by space girl they incapacitate him they take him on a, a helicopter ride and then all of a sudden again the, the second part of this movie is so hard to explain but basically he starts to bleed out of his mouth out of his eyes and his blood ends up like kind of floating up into midair and you know forming uh, a blood version of space girl that talks to, you know, again, our two main characters, uh, you know, Tom and, and Colin. And, uh, and then she just kind of disappears. And yeah, just- it just shows them like <laughs> disintegrates into more blood. Right. I, did they here? Here's what I, I didn't get, because it would be out of character, too, because the models were all pretty good. And it, every time they showed Patrick Stewart's model of his face, it looked like a different person. Because back at the place where they got Dr. Armstrong, a.k.a. Patrick Stewart, there was another guy that had been possessed. Did they bring both of those guys on the helicopter and they're both bleeding out of their face? If they did, they didn't do a good enough job to explain it because I, I only thought I thought that only Patrick Stewart was on there. But they definitely seemed like there was two different people that were bleeding out of their faces during that scene. So it, it, maybe I wasn't 
paying close enough attention. But uh, man, I don't know who the other person was. <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, our gruesome twosome gets back to London, uh, all hell is breaking loose. Oh yeah, this is uh, okay. So this is when the movie gets good again, and it's fucking really, really good, man. This is this is great. This is 1985, you know, full on apocalypse in London, you know, zombie thing going on. It, it, it's fantastic. It's, it's it's basically just just a horde of zombies chasing. It is uh, Colin uh, Colin Kane, right? Colonel yeah. Colin Kane. Yep. And it's a, it's an extended scene with Colonel Colin Kane running around London, being chased by these you know these space zombies, and well, he's you know blowing heads off. They're he's being made by they're being made by uh, the 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 space aliens, you know, because they're like they're they're just like full on energy now, and they're like zipping through the city. That's right, and the, the they're the two male space aliens that were along with uh, with space girls they're still alive even though we were led to believe they died at the beginning of the movie you know they're still alive they're turning people you know into space zombies meanwhile colonel colin kane gets this magical sword which which they did not explain to us at any point in the movie we had no idea what was happening here he, he he's basically he's got a, an rpg type <laughs> sword that he like a world beater, like like a like a legendary weapon. Yeah, it's it's it might as well be going gold or purple. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where you just you got this item and you know it's special. And uh, right, right, Colonel right, right. Kane, Colonel Kane's got this thing, and he's he's gonna fucking use it against these uh, these space aliens. So he splits off from Carlson, who goes to find Space Girl, and he finds her inside of a building, and she's uh she's like laying on uh on a table and there's light down on her and she's finally uh, got clothes on her yeah she does but not for long (laughs) (laughs) and he doesn't either because he jumps up on there and they start making out and he he's saying stuff like uh (sighs) like why do i feel so close to you and she's like because you're because you're one of us hey by the way can we uh we discuss real quickly how weird this is because uh the guy that plays uh tom carlson it's a guy named steve rails back uh he's a lot older a lot older uh than uh the actress that plays uh space girl matilda may and it's just it's weird it's just a weird weird thing throughout the whole movie because yes. th- those two are together a lot so they're making out on top of this pedestal and they've got a light beam coming down them and it's like above them it's like a hole that kane can see through because he's in a totally different place after just killing one of the male vampires with the sword. With he, the magic sword. Yeah, he looks down through the ground and sees them somehow. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But they're they're making out and she's like, oh, it's just a little bit longer. And uh, he like reaches his hands up and yells Kane's name and he throws the sword to him <laughs> and he stabs them both. Like yeah, stabs yeah. Space Girl, continues through her body and goes into his own. Yeah, it's a very Resident Evil type ending. If you ever play any, any of the Resident Evil games, you know, when you're just about to die, somebody always throws you a weapon at the end to help you out and get you out of that fucking jam. Well, yep, that's <laughs> that's what uh, Kane ends up doing to his, uh, you know, BFF Carlson. He throws him the magic sword, you know, which he stabs through through her and through him. And, and then uh, if you were hoping for any kind of resolution to this movie, uh, you're not going to get it because 
<laughs> because those two turn into <laughs> turn into pure energy, right? And they shoot up this light beam that goes into space and back into that giant ship that we saw in the beginning, and then credits. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like, so they stab three. He stabs through both of them, and then well, we don't even know they died. We just know they like turned into light. Right, and then stuff happens, and then the credits roll. <laughs> and, and the words out of my mouth was when that popped. I was just like, "Okay." <laughs> I think mine were what the fuck did we just watch? But uh, yeah, that's part of, right. That's that sounds pretty decent, <laughs> pretty good summarization. But of what other we just other than you know, like the completely boring middle section which is the majority of the movie unfortunately again just like the thing um incredible special effects incredible it's incredible it's fucking amazing you, i mean I'm, I'm still you know putting my thoughts together of, of what i think about this ultimately but uh, uh as it stands right now i'd say fucking check it out just for that give me your final thoughts on life force Final thoughts on my first. It is. I'm conflicted. It's. It's a tough one. It's a tough one to recommend because, uh, man, that that middle section, which, it, like as Marcus said, it takes up the majority of this movie, which is almost two hours long, is rough. It's a. It's a rough. It's a bunch of British actors talking about stuff that we we wish we were actually seeing instead of actually showing, you know, us what's what's happening. That being said, I'm still going to recommend it because, uh, man, it is a fucking pretty awesome 1985 science fiction horror movie. It's worth sitting through that uh, that middle section just to get to the, uh, you know, the beginning is great and the ending is fucking fantastic. So, um, yeah, check it out. It, it's great. It's a Toby, Toby Hooper movie that needs to be seen. I'm going to make it real easy for you. Watch the movie. Definitely watch the movie. Watch the fucking movie at least once. You're going to be pretty freaking bored in the middle, but the the special effects are are something to be seen and you will not be disappointed and it definitely has its place in science fiction history. So for our little uh, sci-fi section here at the end, we're going to move on to graphic novels for a little bit. And I'd like to talk a little bit about a comic book series that I read called Lazarus. It uh, started back in June of 2013. So the last uh, issues that were released were in 2020. I don't think they're done, but they're not writing as quickly as they used to. It's written by a guy named Greg Rucka, and the artist is Michael Lark. And the whole deal behind this is that it's, um, you know, like sort of a dystopian version of the world, whereas a big event has happened, you know, war, disease, famine. And now uh, the world is run by 16 different families. They have either their own alliances and some work together and some don't. And they're all covered throughout different parts in the world. And they're not you, you can't really think of um, of uh, borders as they are now. Because they're a bit mixed, you know. This whole thing is 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 uh, a lot of political intrigue, but also um, some really good action pieces. 
about the conflicts that these different families have. It follows one of the families, uh, almost specifically called the Carlisle family, and they are one of the American families that runs part of America. And the thing about all of these families in these in this graphic novel is that each one has a Lazarus, and a Lazarus being like a warrior to fight for their family if need be. And so this story is about Carlisle's Lazarus called Forever, Forever Carlisle, and sort of her quest to find out who she actually is, because it turns out there's been more than one forever, and that she's a clone that's been cloned in indeterminate amount of times. Well, this sounds pretty fucking amazing. So uh, how many issues of this uh, is out there? Currently, there's six volumes, and it's around 60-something issues. Okay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it does sound cool because I gave it to you for your birthday once, so you got to read it now. Yeah, I got the. I got. Was it? What, which one is it? Is it the first? I, ga- volume? I gave you volume one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, and uh, telling you that forever is a clone is not really a spoiler because you find that out like literally in the third page. It sure looks great. It, it looks amazing. I just yeah, I, I know I'm I'm. It's my bad. I got to fucking get into it and just just go ahead and read it. What I like about this one so much is you know the world building. Uh, they they managed to create a really interesting world and how things work and how the families came to power. Is 60, uh, 60 issues in, you still don't know who some of the families Lazarus is. You know, some of the families have, have featured prominently and some are not. They're just in the background. You just hear their names. But there's uh, just some really cool interactions about how, you know, like one side controls their people through drugs and another person's more altruistic and they, and it's like more of a farm society. There's different classes of people uh, because it's all based on like the feudal system. So like there's the important people are the serfs. And uh, so, you know, like the family members are all serfs and the Lazarus are serfs, but then everybody else that does all the work and other stuff like and make things work, they call them waste because they're basically just a waste of space to them. So it's kind of like, you know, Going back to the, like the medieval system, yeah, it sounds yeah. like so. So is the ultimate, you know, point of the the story is 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 there going to be like it's a struggle for power? Is that what it is? Well, it's a struggle for power, but really, it's just a backdrop to forever figuring out who she is and what she believes in, and is her family who she thinks it is. Okay, okay, yeah, this this sounds pretty great. I'm, I'm gonna have to you know, pick that, that issue up that you gave me and, and actually read it. This sounds great. So the only thing I will say is that it does get uh, a little bit slow paced at some points, but it's worth it to read through. They do like, uh, Greg Rucka does like his exposition. And there are some times when you turn a page and like every panel has got like paragraphs of text. <laughs> and they're really <laughs> tiny. It's like uh, fucking Walking Dead at times where you, yeah. <laughs> you're reading the comic and you're like, holy shit, that's a lot. <laughs> um, but the artwork's great. Uh, the story's great. I highly recommend you get into Lazarus. They're, they're readily available at most libraries, including uh, digital libraries, and you can get electronic copies really easily. So go out there and read Lazarus. The Review to Death podcast is written and produced by the both of us. We release new episodes on Mondays and Fridays. Thank you to Groove Witness for the use of their music. You can find them at GrooveWitness.us. Check out our written reviews at the link in the description and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Review to Death. Thank you for listening. And Luke, tell us what's coming up next. 
Well, coming up next, we're going from deep space to the deep seas in the 2019 movie Sea Fever. That's pretty much all I got. Later, Gators. Lamson? Sir? Can you bring me another dose of the hypnotic drug? I suppose so, sir. One is usually enough. We'll definitely need more. Uh, Bring me three doses. Three? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take responsibility, Lampson. Hold on. I got to (laughs) find I got to recuperate. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. I'll take responsibility, Lampson.